1: Uh, The one thing that uh, this experience has taught us all is that, uh, well, we know a little better who to trust and who not to trust, basically. You know, this pandemic lockdown sort of thing exposed the corruption and the power seekers. Uh, More than anything, I think that's what it's done in other words had we not gone through this sort of experience we probably would have never known uh, how some of these people are so in love with power and how corrupt they really are so it kind of put all that out there in the light of day i think more than anything it also exposed a lot of the evil a lot of the marxist folks came out and i gotta tell you it was an extraordinary experience for this country you know what really gets me more than anything Not so much. I mean, there were some heroes. There were some people who stood up in the face of this oppression, really, that was happening in our country. A lot of people were in shock. I think a lot of folks were aghast, truly, truly. They really didn't know what happened. And, you know, a lot of times, too, when things happen like this and they begin to unravel, you sort of go along with it, you know, and sometimes, yeah, you know, I'll be a sport. I'll go along with it. But then, you know, After a little while, some of that favor tends to run out a little bit with some folks that stand up and say, you know what? We've had enough. We're not going to put up with this anymore. This thing was stretched to the boundaries of anyone's imagination that, I mean, really and truly that we could uh, have foreseen this, uh, that this was going to happen to our country and there was going to be a massive lockdown. But it wasn't just that lockdown and flatten the curve business. It was that some of these people never got over the power trip. And they kept pushing and pushing and toying with people's lives. Now, here's the thing. The other thing it exposed is how willing many, many Americans, the majority of Americans, millions of Americans will go along with whatever the charade is. That's the scary part about this, really. I mean, it scares the hell out of me. So when you see the next frightening thing come down and orders are put out, whatever it might be, I don't know what it is. And when your liberty is attacked and then you say, well, how far do they push? And there doesn't seem to be any end. And it's still for some communities in some states in some cities, it's still going on, if you can believe that. And there's talk quite frankly, of more of this coming back just after the summer for some folks. And that's where we begin to get this divide in our country of red and blue kind of thing. And then it becomes, wow, it becomes sort of a trap door, doesn't it? You know, for a lot of us. So uh, there are a lot of lessons in this whole thing. I'd like to talk to you today about some of those lessons. We have some extraordinary stories uh, that I think are uh, extraordinary acts by some people who you may recognize some folks. We have a series of these stories today I wanna tell you about. Uh, And uh, uh, people who had the courage to stand up for our constitutional and uh, inalienable rights. Uh, uh, People who stood up and said, you know what? This is not the way we're gonna play this thing. We're gonna go another way. And I'll tell you what, these people took a hit. It was really a big hit. I'd like you to meet one of these gentlemen now. Um, and he, he was on, um, he, he really, I guess, it really became, a, 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 to me, a, a national voice, a, a figurehead um, nationally that stood up and said, you know what, this, this, this has got to stop. We can't go on like this. And, you know, let's not forget, too, and I've talked to you about this many times out there, the decimation of small business was over, I mean, off the charts. You talk about killing the the engine, of America. That was it right there. But let's bring on now Ian Smith here is here. And if you recognize that name, he um, is the uh, a co-owner of the uh, Attila's Gym in Belmar, New Jersey. And as you know, when you say that name right away, you recognize right away, he, he butted heads with a lot of the New Jersey, specifically the governor there, Phil uh, Murphy there, the Democrat governor. I almost want to say, well, it's a Marxist governor, really. Ian Smith, welcome to The Voice of a Nation.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure, sir. It's good to meet you. And Ian, what's the big lesson, the takeaway, if you're to get up and say, you know, this is what I learned over the last year. What is it? What's the big lesson?
2: That you should never depend on government to do things correctly, especially when it comes to your well-being. Um, these people have a a long history of, at best, uh, botching things, and at worst, um, totally abusing their powers in a manner that is uh, self-serving and um, downright wrong. Yeah. Let me
1: ask you now. With that said was that your, uh, I'm wondering, was that your general belief and attitude before the pandemic lockdown or was that afterward or did you always have that belief system?
2: I think it's, it's been magnified quite a bit, you know, but I was, I was always skeptical of government. You know, um, I was raised um, to, to have a a decent understanding of history. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and if you have a, a, a halfway decent understanding of history, you know, that, that these things are, are almost inevitable. Any structure of power is, um, you know, it's, it's comprised of human beings. Um, and, and if, if it's not guarded and protected and, and watched, you know, the, the wrong people can, can get into these positions where slowly but surely they can abuse power. It, it's, it's a lesson that has been shown to be true Um, or it's it's an event that is shown to be true over and over and over again throughout history you know so the fact that America the American system of government would be any less vulnerable to that is obviously you know a farce you know so I, I was always skeptical of it you know I was just I was raised to question and and understand you know so I was always very skeptical of government and you know, I watched as I got older, government just continued to expand and expand and expand and grow and, and accumulate more power in this kind of uh, slow, but very deliberate manner. Um, and then, you know, COVID-19 was like the, the snapping of the rubber band where, you know, overnight they uh, they pulled the rug out from underneath of, of, of most of America uh, and caught people off guard, I think. And they they went really far with with the amount of power and control that they were trying to acquire.
1: Uh, That's a very good way to say it, actually. Off guard, uh, caught. I I think that does sum it up a little bit here. Uh, Many people got caught off guard. That primarily wouldn't have been otherwise. Uh, They seize the moment is what they seem to do here. Let's bring it back to uh, There's so many questions and so many thoughts I really want to ask you. But let's bring it back to the moment, Ian, when... um, when this thing became what it was, okay, so when, uh, you know, I'm visualizing you and and Frank uh, Trombetti is your, uh, the co-founder there, a co-owner of the gym, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking back to the moment when this thing started to get out of hand. Now, all right, we had that two-week flatten the curve lockdown sort of thing, which was really an a gasp for everybody. Could not believe it, but it never really came back. It kept going on. And they extended it, and then extended it, and then extended it, and kept extending it. And then the challenge, even when things started to get a little better for some of well, what we would call red states, the blue states like New New Jersey, and uh, the the governor there, Phil Murphy, they just uh, you know, like Cuomo in New York, doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down, and wouldn't give in almost to the point, Ian, the pain factor. I, I, I was so feeling for people, for small businesses, being a small business guy all my life, you know, prior to my radio career here, uh, I was always uh, in favor of the small guy and putting justice back where injustice was. Let's bring back to the moment when this happened. What was the moment when you and Frank are talking where you realize you're gonna have to take matters into their own hands? Tell us what that scene looks like,
2: please. Well, Frank and I never stopped working. You know, we had just bought the gym about eight months prior and we bought a, a real dumpster fire of a gym, but we were able through, uh, through our reputations in the area, as well as a lot of really hard work and, and long days and long hours, uh, we were able to, to make it successful almost overnight, um, but we still had quite a bit of work to do. So when, when the shutdown came, you know, we, we weren't very excited about it. We were very skeptical of it, um, you know. But we kept coming to work. There was there was plenty to be done at the facility, um, and we knew that business was probably going to look different on the other side of this. You know, we just didn't know what that looked like. So we made it our job not only to come to the gym and and continue what we were working on, but to start paying attention, like it was a full time job, to any and all information about the virus um, and about its transmission and how it was treated and the, uh, the fatality rates and, and who it was affecting and how it was spreading. A, just out of uh, self-preservation and interest, because I, I think in the beginning, they really did scare a lot of people um, and myself included. You know, the, the media did what the media does best and, and uh, turned it in anthill into a mountain. Um, and I think everybody was questioning it at first. So, so we wanted to make sure we understood, you know, we were being shown on channels like CNN and MSNBC, these, uh, these horrific scenes of people dropping dead in China and people being thrown into body bags. And, and it was, you know, so it was something that we were interested in, but um, so we started paying attention to that, but we also started paying attention to the politics. You know, these, these politicians made some big promises going into this and, and, you know, we, we wanted to keep an eye on them. So science, Frank was watching the science and I was watching the politics and very quickly, neither of them were adding up. Um, and our, our big major, major red flag was on day 11 of the shutdown when they passed the single largest economic stimulus bill to the tune of two point six trillion dollars, 11 days into a 14 day shutdown um that didn't make a whole lot of sense to us nor did the fact that the bill was over a thousand pages long and it was introduced i think 48 hours before they voted on it um so we read it and and what we found in there was was alarming we saw all of the money that was just being thrown around and and how people were being incentivized to stay home for up to 16 weeks um that was a a big red flag because you were talking about a virus with an incubation period of 14 days Yet you you already had a plan laid out to uh, to be able to keep people home for 16 weeks it just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and, and the other big thing, and a lot of people didn't uh, don't know this, but there there was an abundance. Um, and I use the word abundance lightly because it's 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 an incredible amount of money that was being paid to the states by the federal government for positive tests. So a lot of people know that the hospitals were being incentivized uh, to mark things as COVID deaths and to put people on ventilators because it it gave them federal funding. But what people don't realize is states were being paid per positive test. So here in the state of New Jersey, for every positive PCR test, which we now know is uh, very unreliable in terms of accuracy, um, the state was being paid $18,000 by the federal government. Um, and that's taxpayer money that's coming out of that stimulus bill. So, questions started to to pop up immediately. You know, why 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 was that much money being spent in that fashion? It didn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of mitigating a virus. You know, and and that was it uh, for us. That that began the sort of the journey, and we yeah. from there we continued to question and we continued to learn and. As the time went on, 14 days turned into three weeks, three turned into four, four turned into six. And at week six, Frank looked at me and he said, they are not going to open us. Mm -hmm. Um, They are not going to open us anytime soon. He said, they are going to stretch this out as long as they possibly can. And he said, I want to open. And I looked at him and I said, let's do it. And that was it. You know, Frank and I have always been um, a handshake agreement kind of uh, friendship. You know um, that's how we started business when we were working alongside each other. Uh, That's how we started the gym. You know, Frank, Frank walked into my personal training studio uh, before we bought the gym and he said, do you want to buy a gym? And I said, yes. And that is about as complicated as we make things. So we said, let's do it. Um, And uh, the only promise we made to each other is that we were going to see it all the way through that, that nothing was going to stop us, that we were going to prove that this was incredibly unfair and damaging to middle America, Mm -hmm. um, and that any small business, any church, any school, any place uh, can and should be able to operate safely, even taking into concern um, this this notion of public health. So we put forth a public safety protocol um, and we spent a lot of time and energy researching it. We went so far above and beyond what, quote, essential businesses had to do, that it would be laughable if they closed us. We looked at hospital protocol. We went beyond that. We looked at CDC, WHO protocol. We went beyond that. Uh, we brought in new technology. We have class two medical devices in the facility that are air filters that run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that that uh, decontaminate the air up to 99.9% of all viruses and bacteria and also kills anything on the surface. Um, you know, we we wanted to make it crazy to shut us down. Um, and And as the story goes, they tried to.
1: Right. I mean, you did extraordinary things. I remember the story. Actually, it was very impressive. Actually, uh, the steps that you and Frank went to to ensure safety, security, and in some kind of ways play the game a little bit uh, that that you could you know, had that uh, defense to fall back on, which was really a brilliant strategy at the end of the day. You can say, well, and I remember the national media picking that up and it was hard to say that you were being reckless or in fact, as I recall, I I, I remember seeing stats or something, Ian, where like nobody got COVID from your facility like for the longest time. What what, what are the stats? I mean, it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? We
2: are, we, we still keep count. Uh, we, we have a, an entire office that has a, A stack of our of our of our own system of contact tracing. When people come in, they uh, they take their temperature with a biometric scanner. um, They they grab a pen. They fill out a health questionnaire with some questions on it. They sign it, date it. They put their temperature so that we have detailed records if anything were to happen. Um, So we still keep those records. And to date, we have two hundred and sixteen thousand visits to the facility with no outbreaks linked to us at all. And we've invited Governor Murphy and Judith Kelly of the health department to come on in and, and, and go over our records and, and to prove that we were a danger to the community. Um, and they have yet to do so um obviously because they wouldn't find anything there because the protocol worked. Um, right. And we we showed that that what they did was uh blow something really far out of proportion and kind of single out small businesses because nobody made a big deal. uh, When back in October of last year, Amazon reported that it had over 20,000 positive PCR tests uh, for its workers uh, and was still allowing people to work with those positive tests. Uh, Nobody made a big deal over that. So, you know, obviously they didn't really care about how many cases there were just, in certain cases how many there
1: were. Yeah, yeah. the the conglomerates and the oligarchs and uh, the big box, all of these folks kept uh, working. You're exactly right, Ian. They were allowed to continue on. In fact, the uh, uh, profits and the progress from those folks was record-breaking in the period of time that we've talked about in this lockdown pandemic in comparison to small business, which was decimated. And so many people, my heart went out for, lost their livelihoods and were destroyed and destructive. And not to mention the personal strife and problems they were having, but the professional business, the entrepreneurship, the small business engine uh, was, I mean, it was rocked to the level of what we've never seen. What, What is your gut? When you, when you talk about the point we're making right now, you know, you, again, I know you and Frank talked about it. What? Why would they want to destroy the engine of small business? I mean, you you just said it perfectly. They they didn't knock down the Amazons and any of those folks. The oligarchs were they were happy to continue to keep going and building their businesses, no problem. But it was all the rest of us that were knocked down. What what was the motive behind that? Do you think you have a sense?
2: Uh, I do. You know, you um, America is one of the few places, it's not the only, but it's it's one of the few, and it's certainly the best place for social mobility. Uh, this is the only country in the world, uh, one of the excuse me, one of the only countries in the world where you have this ability to, so long as you make good choices in life, uh, and you work hard to start in a place uh, and end up much better off and be able to pass that To the next generation and the next generation and that's that's one of the things that make america great um is the fact that no matter who you are um it's very likely that your your ancestors came here with very little um and yet here we all are today living modest uh and comfortable lives in a place where um where you can be yourself and, 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 and do the things that make you happy and, and live by the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all men. Um, you know, so how do you, if you're looking for that, that's a hard society to control, you know, because when people are free, they don't need the government, the government works for them in that case, you know, but you have to put yourself into the, the mindset of these people and it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people because I think most people can't think like this because they're honest and good people. Um, and that goes for a lot of people that are kind of on the left or, or that um, that support a lot of these politicians, You know, whether it's on the left or the right, because there's, there's plenty on the right who are just as bad. I don't think a lot of people can put themselves in, in the shoes of these people who are power hungry individuals with bad intentions uh, because most of us that that doesn't appeal to us. You know, most of us are not interested in, in control and power. We're interested in, in living a nice life with our family and, and, and our friends and, and being free. And that's about it. But if if you're one of these people, how do you how do you control people? Well, you you take their dependence from them. Um, and you do so by kneecapping the middle class. And small business is the engine of the middle class. Uh, small business is how an individual can go from a worker to a producer. So if you, and, and small business is not going to be willing to cooperate with government on the same level that big corporations are, you know, you have this, this, uh, this idea of capitalism that has turned, turned into corporatism and you have this idea of democracy that has turned into oligarchy. So they, they need to take out the middle class because if there are independent people, they will not listen. But when your paycheck comes mm-hmm. from the government, because there are no opportunities around you and there is no ability to, to fulfill your own needs, mm-hmm. then you need the government and they become a permanent figure state in your life. You know, and, and, and that's probably one of the hardest things I think for people to yeah. grasp because they don't, they don't think that there are people like that in the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the reality is, is there are. And that's that is their plan. They want to kneecap you so that you are unable to provide for yourself. So they will step in after they busted your kneecap and say, here, let me help. Um, But as as we've seen, again, going back to the first thing I said about history, as we've seen throughout history, Mm -hmm. um, they always come in and say, we're gonna do this, and they always deliver less, and then they deliver less, and yeah, then they yeah. deliver less. Um, and then at that point, there's nothing that you can do about it because there's there's no resources.
1: Yeah, it, it was a power grab, uh, but the likes we've never seen before is uh, what you're suggesting. And I think most people would agree with you. When that happened at the height of it, when you decided to uh, pull off the it wasn't, I think the shocking thing, and, and I guess let me ask you this uh, to a lot of people, and was it a shock to you as well, that it wasn't just um, many of the power grabbers that were going along with this gig, but a lot of the people, the Republicans on the right that were, you know, bragged about our liberties and our Constitution and everything we stood for also seemed to be going along with the gig. And even to this day, many of them still are. That was a bit of a shock, wasn't it?
2: It was. You know, these um, these people, <coughs> we 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 elected these people um, right. and, and politicians are are really good at, at their they're like salesmen. You know, so they they went over the hearts and the minds of of good people. Um, But, you know, as soon as they get into that position, it's it's alarming how quickly they uh, they discard the same people who put them in that in that place. And that's what you see with a lot of these, you know, we call them rhinos. But these Republicans who didn't do anything except, you know, send out a tweet here and there about the lockdowns. You know, um, the uh, perfect example I can think of is Dan Crenshaw, you know, um, you know, this is a guy who says over and over again, that he's pro America and he's for the, you know, the American worker and all that. And, and what, what did he use his power for, or what did he use his influence for other than to, to virtue signal? Um, no action was taken. Uh, it's. Sending out a tweet saying end the lockdown is is about as laughable as an attempt as as it gets when you're a politician. Mm. You know, there there are some, uh, you know, and I would say I would point to an individual like Rand Paul uh, is somebody who did stand firm and did do their best, um, you know, to to end these measures. But the reality is, is that most of them acted like they were helping. Yeah. Um, but the bare minimum to do so because they benefit from it just as much as as the, the politicians on the left. do.
1: Well, that appears to be the way it is. I mean, you're you're exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, sure. I thought you would see it that way as well. Uh, let me tell listeners we're speaking with Ian Smith here. Uh, he's the co-owner, along with Frank Trombetti uh, of the Attila's Gym in Belmar, New Jersey, who really became, I would suggest to you all, I mean, the face of the uh, of of we the people, of liberty in many ways, today we're highlighting some of these unique stories of folks that stood up in the face of this oppression and tyranny that was happening in our country under great stress, great odds, great duress. Now, this thing cost you in some considerable um, money and considerable... um, uh, I mean, progress for sure. But it, there was you had a I mean, let's talk about the what, I, I mean, there's a big piece of the story about the uh, New Jersey governor, uh, Phil Murphy, uh, and um, which is hard to I mean, this guy has overreached so much. And, you know, he hasn't got a lot of the national um uh, criticism that uh, Cuomo or Newsom has or others like that have, uh, he seems to have fallen under the radar screen to some degree nationally. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's what I kind of see out here. Um, what, what t- t- let's talk about the, uh, I, 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 in fact, I believe they seized money. Did that money ever come back or did, tell us what happened there, please?
2: It has not. Um, so that, that, was, that money comes from a court order, by Judge Robert Lugie, who is the, uh, the lapdog judge of Governor Murphy. He's the one who heard all of the COVID cases against Murphy. And coincidentally, he is a, an appointed judge here in New Jersey who just so happened to be up for tenure this year. And not only did he get his tenure, he also got a promotion to go with it. Um, Governor Murphy is one of the only governors in the country, uh, to my knowledge, that did not lose a single COVID case. Uh, the churches sued him. Multiple businesses sued him. Uh, townships and cities sued him, uh, and nobody has gotten anywhere in front of this judge. Well, this is where um, the
1: court, the courts, and the judges have been weaponized, Ian. And this is a problem in our country now, where these courts and uh, they've been totally weaponized, politicized, and they're they're legislating from the bench. It's pretty sick,
2: isn't it? No, it, I mean, it, it, it absolutely is. And Judge Robert Lugi in our last appearance in front of him, <clears throat> uh, said these words, and, and this is a quote, uh, if you're in my courtroom with a constitutional argument, you are in the wrong place. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That Frank and I were sitting here, and of course, we've never been in court, nor have we been heard in court um we're we're just on the end of a zoom call uh muted on their end um we looked at each other in just utter disbelief because it was i, I mean i i that's something i thought that i would never hear a judge say ever mm-hmm. uh but here we are and 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 the fact that he said it with such just confidence that he was not even going to be questioned on it uh by any of the lawyers um is the really scary part because he just said it as if it, he knew it to be true.
3: Mm.
2: Um, Yeah. It's the, the, the courts and the, the judges, um, you know, that's what we thought was going to save us in the beginning. Mm. You know, we, uh, when we opened, we obviously didn't think it was going to go this far. You know, we thought there was going to be a little standoff and a scuffle with government and you know, that it eventually would wind up in court. And it did. Um, and we, you know, we backed off at first, mm-hmm. you know, because we were like, okay, you know, we, we did our protest and we uh, we made our statement. Now let's turn it over to the courts so that the judicial branch can issue checks and balances to, to what we thought was an out of control executive branch. Uh, and to date, they haven't done so. And and that's, that's not unique to Frank and I. Uh, the courts have been failing the American people pretty much consistently over the past year and a half.
1: Yeah. And that's been in a lot of states, as you say, from from sea C to sea. C. Uh, that has been happening. We've seen these courts being empowered. And, uh, you know, it, it, let's let me ask you, I want to jump this up a moment now. This is important. This uh, part of the conversation I'd like to really talk to you about at 50,000 feet here. Uh, how I mean, let's talk about the American experiment. We've already laid out a compelling case of what's happened through this whole lockdown and where we're at, uh, the the small business engine of America. Now, the American experiment uh, where liberty was the key and our Constitution was the rule of law. And how in jeopardy do you see our country being right now? The lessons learned I'm talking about from this whole experience, uh, because now we see in the light of day where the, you know, what a lot of people have forgotten in our country, as you've pointed out, and as I pointed out, we elect these officials to represent us. They are representative figures for we, the people, period. Without that, I mean, government is only, I mean, it's become a living, breathing thing onto itself, but it really isn't supposed to be that way. It's we the people who represent we the people to represent we the people. And that's the deal. It doesn't become a a take on a life of its own, but yet it seems to have done that over the last many decades. And we seem to see this slipping away as we now are, uh, here we are 245 years into this experiment. How concerned are you and Frank and how concerned should we all be?
2: Uh, I think we should all be very concerned because the reality is that over the past 60, 70 years, we have been infiltrated very, very slowly and very, very deliberately in a way that most of us uh, did not see it. You know, there, there was obviously people who were calling this kind of stuff for a long time and, and talking about. Uh, the dangers of Marxism and the infiltration tactics that Marxism uses and, and Marxism is is just the tool of globalists at this point. And, and that's that's what we're fighting against. We're fighting for American independence in, in a in a, a, a war for complete control of everybody and everything. And, and that,
1: let me jump in here. That's very interesting what you say right there. Hold on a moment, brother, because that let's highlight what you say there. That's big. Yep. So think back to our founding, Ian, back to back prior to 1776 and then the War of 1812. And think about the fact of how we fought the British for America's independence. Now in an odd, weird sort of way, it's not just America. It's not America against, you know, the the, the British monarchy. It's America against the world. It's a global uh, uh, undertaking and a power grab around the world, which is why a lot of these world leaders have become loosey goosey since they were able to take the election back and put it into the Marxist left. And that seems to be a further takedown of our country. But that's that's an odd but interesting way to look at this thing, don't you think?
2: Yeah. And it, but it's, it's, if you take a step back and, and like you say, you step back to 50,000 feet and, and yeah. start looking all the, at all the players and all the money it's, you know, it's, it's hard to not see it because there, there's a lot of stuff going on at once. And there's a lot of really powerful people that have, have been influencing the American way of life for a long time. And then COVID was just, Uh, just the ramping up of that. I mean, this is, like I said, this is something that has been happening for a long time. Our, our school system, uh, both our secondary and our, uh, our universities have been infiltrated by Marxist thought um, and this anti American rhetoric that has uh, that is just like a cancerous growth. Mm -hmm. The entertainment's, um, the the entire entertainment industry, uh, the, at least the mainstream one, including television, movies, um, advertising, uh, music, all of these things have been infiltrated by, like I said, anti-American, um, these ideas of, of victim culture, uh, the championing, the, the championing of mediocrity, um, the dumbing down of the American public, the emasculation of the American man, the uh, the sexualization of uh, of of each other to the point of absurdity, um, the the breakdown of the family, the nuclear family, the traditional mm-hmm. family, wow. the eroding of traditional values—all of this stuff has been happening mm. very slowly for a long time, and then COVID—COVID COVID was just the Um, Like I said, the ramping up of that and we're we're now in a position where we are being bombarded from every angle. Um, Mm -hmm. COVID and the lockdowns and and the assault on small business was just one of many things. You know, our kids are under attack, Um, not only with what they're being taught, but how they're being treated. Uh, the middle class is under attack. Even if you don't own a business, um, you're being forced to wear masks. You're being pressured into vaccinations. You're, you're losing liberties left and right at this point. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, and it's, 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 if you can't see that, then your head is so so buried so far deep in the sand that, the, that, that, my only thought is that you've chosen to do that. You know, well, let's let's
1: talk about that right there a moment here because that's what worries me. Here's the, the 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 pinnacle of this whole conversation right now. What you just say, one of the things I need to I really so want your opinion on and why? Why have so many people gone along with this charade? I mean, all right, let me let me just say to you, Ian, your story, yours and Frank's story, was one that really spoke to my heart. Uh, because I, like you, being a small business guy in my life, uh, all my life, uh, I would have. I, I feel like I would be in the same position you guys were in. And when I seen you on the national, you, I mean, you you spoke to me in ways because that's how I, I would have handled it as you would. And I, my listeners know that. I, I am not going to be pushed over or knocked down. I will absolutely, I will stand up in front of that tank in uh, TNN Square. You bet your ass I will. And so here we are. Uh, You guys did. uh, I mean, you were remarkable as far as the way you stood in face of this oppression. Why didn't more people do that? Why are so many Americans, millions and millions of Americans going along with this charade? They're still wearing masks. They're still in cars wearing masks. They're outside exercising wearing masks. They're walking through places wearing masks. They're getting the vaccines, even though it's altering their DNA and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff to them. Why are so many people been bamboozled and still being bamboozled to this day? Why?
2: Um, honestly, I-, I think there's two reasons. Uh, one, the, uh, the first being that <clears throat> not everybody... The, sim- the simple truth for me is that it's really hard and people are not uncomfortable enough yet to do anything. Hmm. So wow. what is what is happening is you have this exchange of temporary comfort hmm. in exchange for long-term loss of liberty. Um, because wow. people, people are used to the comfortable American way of life. Uh, and they, they, they're afraid to lose it, but what they're not realizing is they are losing it. Mm-hmm. So because it's, it's slow, you know, it's, it's, Hey, shut down for 14 days. Uh, hey, wear this mask everywhere you go. Hey, just another couple of weeks, you know, just hang in there. Oh, wait, wait till the vaccine. And then up, oh, Well, hold on. We need a booster shot up. Hold on. There's another variant. Oh, wait, put the masks back on. Nobody's coming into their homes and saying, get on the boxcar. So it's easy to ignore. And for many of those
1: people, if they if they didn't go along with that, Ian, they were they were called out and said they were not being patriotic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's one of one of the reasons is 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 that. They're, they're exchanging that that short term comfort mm-hmm. for that long term loss of liberty because it's easier in the present to just ignore the issue and just comply. And then, you know, but in reality, what these people should be doing is getting comfortable being uncomfortable now in order to get that long term liberty and secure that. But it, and the rest of them have been deceived. Uh, they've been deceived and they've been scared to the point where they're so emotional that there's, there's this dramatic loss or absence of critical thinking.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, they're, they're just hit with just craziness. Uh, This nonstop Hmm. wave of media driven propaganda, whether it's you're watching the news or whether it's, a commercial or whether it's, you know, all these things, it's COVID, fear, death, COVID, fear, death, be afraid, you know, depend on the government. Uh, don't question anything. Just listen to us. Everything's going to be okay. And, and if you don't listen, you're going to die. And if you don't listen, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's threats and it's fear and it's anxiety. And what that does is it scrambles somebody's ability to think clearly. Um, and, and, and if you, you subject the person to that long enough, and, and this was actually shown in, in, in a very old study by the KGB. Um, if you scare and frighten somebody for long enough, they will become docile and unable to think on their own hmm. because you've sort of, you've burned this into their head, essentially, or burned this into their Well, they've their been sight.
1: brainwashed at that point.
2: They've, they've been brainwashed at, 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 out of pure fear. I so see. they're, 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 literally to the point of being unable to sit down and just calm their emotions for for just a moment and look at something objectively. Yeah, like it's it's all so emotional. Like when you when you talk to a lot of these people who are really deep into this rabbit hole, it's the same reiteration of these Mm -hmm. untrue talking points, you know, it's, well, 600,000 people have died. Well, 600,000 people have died. Well, what do you think about the 600,000 people that have died? And, and it's just, you can't even get through them because they're not hearing anything. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you can yeah. tell them all day that, you know, uh, that the way they classified deaths was extremely lax uh, and that, um, you know, the, the comorbidities of at least three for 90% of the deaths and that, you know, everything you can, you can tell them all these, all these things, but yeah. they they're not going to hear it because they're they're just their their psyche is fried. They're, they're, they're past know. the
1: point of no return. Clearly, Andy, are you optimistic at all for what happens ahead here?
2: I am. I, I really am, because the reality of it is, you know, people always say um, that oh, you know, that guy, you know, you're talking about a fight or you're talking about a battle and they're saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, they have nothing to lose. Right. So they're dangerous. You know, I, I, I think people with a lot to lose mm-hmm. are more dangerous
3: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And, and better off in the fight. You know, it's like the old saying, like, you don't have a dog in this fight. You know, the, the people that we are fighting against don't have a dog in the fight.
1: So you um, haven't lost hope. You haven't lost hope.
2: I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I think that the human spirit is very resilient. Uh, and and though it is taking people quite a while, I think right, that, right. that people are really starting to to mm-hmm. see this for what it is. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that the tides will turn. Um, yeah. But not until and I, I say this, I don't even know where I heard it. It's not an original thought, but it's, uh, it's a good one. You know, I, I, I think the biggest mistake that was made over the past year and a half or so is that 81 million people thought one man was going to solve all these problems um everybody was getting behind president donald trump and and uh thought that that was going to be the answer that trump was going to somehow get us out of this that we just needed to get to the election and you know that that it would be just fine and that after the election, he would clean everything up. But the reality is, is that that didn't happen. Um, and, and whether or not he was even capable of that, um, it's, it's highly unlikely. There, you know, you, you can say what you want about uh, President Trump and you can you can think he's a saint or, or something else. But the reality is that he's not coming to save you um and that the way we should be looking at it is 81 million people need to fix one problem
1: amen and everybody
2: Definitely. needs to everybody needs to find a problem to fix everybody has a hill to fight on yeah uh you don't have to have a small business to be in this fight if you've got kids then you should be at your your town hall yeah. meetings and, and your your board of education meetings and you should be pushing back and being active in your mm-hmm. local community. And if if you don't have kids, then you shouldn't be wearing a mask. And if if that's not your fight, then there's another one. Ask yourself what you care about, what you're passionate about, and what is being taken from you right now. And that is the hill that you need to get on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Ian, this was you're so right when you say that this was never, it should have never been about one person. Uh you're exactly right. This is about the core of America uh, and it's going to be about we the people standing back up to fight against this tyranny here uh ian smith you are so well spoken about all of these issues and uh, i'll tell you it's a really a uh, terrific pleasure to get your voice out there and have listeners hear it and we so applaud everything that you've done here uh, for this fight Uh, thank you for joining us here on the voice of the nation
2: thank you very much
1: And that is Ian Smith here. Ian Smith, uh, the co-owner of Attila's Gym. Uh, He and Frank Trombetti uh, really uh, were uh, just amazing figures and gave so much hope and inspiration to millions and countless of Americans. you hear him speak here. He's so well spoken about the issues uh, you know, they they really studied this thing, is my sense. And you hear Ian talk about that, him and Frank. Uh, and um, they, he delivers so much uh, information that people need to listen. I mean, there's a lot, so much, so many good uh, seeds of opportunities that Ian just shared with us that we need to get out there. Uh, He's a great voice, uh, for you and I, for, for the rest of us, you know, the, we, the people, uh, it's the rest of us, the little guys, you know, the people who make this thing happen. It's called America. Uh, it's not, it's not the, uh, the power brokers who, uh. Somehow it's gone to their heads. As he said, a lot of people are brainwashed with this thing, and they surely, surely are. Um, One of the things to um, to mention to you here is uh, we've got a lot of stories coming up throughout this two-hour program here. We're going to be talking about others. And so uh, we're going to take a break right here. And uh, you are listening to The Voice of a Nation.
0: Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of
4: americaoutloud.com. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients, like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a -a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural, too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
1: liberty and justice for all
0: the silent majority has spoken we say let the silent voices be heard you can be the voice of change contact our producer at liberty at out liberty at america out
1: With you here on the Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Tremendous thank you to Ian Smith, uh, Attila's gym in uh, Belmar, New Jersey, uh, and uh, his um, uh, incredible testimony and his experiences that he's learned uh, over the past year plus. Uh, and we all see now what's happening. And we, we need to see more people uh, coming to the rescue of America, which is really the message here is what Ian was, uh, Ian was saying as well. Uh, and, um, but this really is about uh, people, just real people, real American, ordinary people. We the people are doing extraordinary acts. Uh, again, it's our moment. Um, One of the uh, things I don't want to fail to mention to you, you just heard during the pause, and we we definitely ran late with Ian uh, over the break there, but it was such an important conversation. I wanted to uh, get his voice and keep him on there. So I'm sure you appreciate that. Uh, One of the messages you just heard was about immune super boost uh, from healthy cell and, and I think it's important, to, especially with Ian on the program today, I want to mention to you, this is an incredible product here. Some people call it a COVID care package, actually, but it's any virus care package. You know, flus, viruses, uh, any kind of uh, uh, virus like this here, flu or colds, that sort of thing. If you have an immune system that's compromised, uh, you're going to get hit. Yeah, problem now moving forward, a lot of people's eyes have been opened. We don't know when the next virus or problem extraordinaire is coming down the pike. Uh, but if you take care of yourself and, and like Ian and Frank would say, your lifestyle is so important when they talk about the gym. You know how I talk to you all the time about just walking, getting up and out and walking three, four, five, six miles a day. Um, you feel so great uh, and you're able to experience and see this beautiful um this beautiful planet we're on, even more so, uh, which is a beautiful thing. Or oh, go to the gym, like Ian and, and Frank. All of that stuff is good for our system, but also taking care of your immune system is very important. A uh, healthy cell delivers uh, the products you need to the uh, for the health of your cells. That's what's real important here. There's one product I want to focus on: the immune super boost. It's got all the uh, phytonutrients in there, like the uh, echinacea here, the elderberry, uh, the vitamins A, D, uh, zinc. All of that is in this to support the white blood uh, cell count that is so important. Activate the immune cells. Uh, and this this really empowers us to be at our very, very best. This is really doable. Everybody should get this. Our listeners get 20% off, by the way. And uh, you just use the code OUTLOUD. Go to HealthyCell.com forward slash OUTLOUD. Uh, or just click the banner back at America out loud and you'll get that 20% off. so I want to mention that to you as well since we're talk- we've got you know health and fitness guys on here it's a good opportunity to uh, talk about that with everybody here. Now when we we hear from you know a guy like Ian and we see what he's been through, and you have to ask yourself well how, how does somebody like that get the courage? It really is about courage to stand up in the face of all of this. Well, you know at some point, my fellow Americans, there's what we call the tipping point. You know, how much is too much? And and this has really been the thing I've been looking at in our country, is waiting to see how many Americans will rise, uh, how many Americans will say enough is enough. And not just, and I'm not talking about the political stripe of those on the right or conservatives or patriots, but I'm talking about everyday Americans. I'm talking about independents and moderates, left of center, people who love their country still, and uh, have no place for Marxism in their country, but have, uh, many of them sadly have been bamboozled uh, by the Marxist left uh, because they've overpromised, and as Ian was saying, they underdeliver almost every time, exclusively. But they overpromise for sure, and that's part and parcel of the problem we're having. is many people are falling into that trap, and they're, they're overpromised, so they go along with it. And then, like you say, the two weeks, the 14 days become, you know, what, six weeks or become six months or become what? Now is it going to be six years? I mean, come on. You know, so that's really one of the big lessons here is trying to get people not to be brainwashed and wake people up. How do we do that? We ask. How do we do that? Well, we have to get these messages out there. We have an obligation as stewards of the Constitution, as stewards of we, the people, you know, that, that beautiful document uh, there, that beautiful document starts with we the people. It doesn't start with we the government, doesn't say we the oligarchs, we the big business, we the power seekers, doesn't say any of that people. It brings it down to the simplest point, the de- denomination, the people who matter. And the people who matter are you and I. That's who matters here. We, the people. I just, that's a message. I need to take a moment. We need to talk about that. It is we, the people. It is us. That's what this experiment was based on all the way back to our origins when the framers and founders who had you talk about courage, who had incredible courage, who stood up in the face of that monarchy and said, we're not going to have it anymore. We're going to go our own way. And many times we look at each other today and people say, well, is it time for that again? And people are waiting to see kind of, you know, when the next shoe drops sort of thing, right? That makes sense? You know, when's that next shoe drop? When do enough people come together in unity to fight for our salvation? Now, that can mean many things. I'm not saying it's an outright civil war or an outright revolution. I'm not saying it's not either. I don't know what it is, but I think it's we the people who know when that shot is fired, what has to happen. You know, it's uh, our freedom is worth fighting for. Our liberty is worth fighting for. Absolutely. But it, it's not it, it's a it's a off kind of thing. It, it's we got to fight for it every generation. It doesn't it's not you know, it's not just given. It's not a it's not a blanketed thing that we're entitled to it somehow or that the next generation is entitled to it, or that your kids and grandkids and your offspring, your, your blood, that they're somehow entitled to it. And they're not going to be entitled to it. And quite frankly, a good part of that population have been brainwashed times 10. Not just with this whole experiment, but they've been brainwashed through the government education system for the longest time. So that becomes a recipe for disaster. And then you bring in, where Ian was sort of even going there earlier with the cancel culture, woke crowd, all of that. Well, then you have the Marxist roots to take the system down. And and so what we're doing here now is identifying the problem. It really is the root cause in identifying the problem. And what we've got to stand up now as patriots, as we the people, is how do we fix that problem? How do we come together and do what Ian uh, Smith and Frank Trombetti have done there and say, you know what? We're, we're not gonna accept this anymore. No matter what the people who we elected to office. Now the key to this is gonna to have to be, we're gonna to have to undo some of those uh, privileges we gave some of those cats. And, and really people, they're not representing us well. Please be sure you get that message out to your friends on the left and you have them, you know, and your friends in the center. Uh the moderates and independent we got to let them know they they don't represent us anymore. they simply don't whether you know their name and their name is a a brand or you know uh, is well known at the water cooler it's not the not the story here. if they don't represent we the people if they don't represent Americans, then it's time to get them out of office and uh just pure simple it doesn't matter that they're the incumbent or not because and it doesn't matter if they're left or right. you understand it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is they are representative of we, the people. That's what really matters. You see? So what I've got coming up next year is I've got an interesting, uh, uh, interesting couple of uh, ladies here. Uh, you may have heard their story. They're known as the mama beers uh, from Iowa, Emily Peterson and Kimberly Reichs Uh, and uh, they went in the face of this mass business with the school boards and, uh, They've got quite a story here in talking about, uh, well, unmasking our children. That story's still going on in our schools, in our restaurants, in our public facilities, and even others are forcing that whole mask thing. People have just not gotten over the COVID thing. They didn't get the memo, I guess. Um, yeah, anyways, we'll see you on the other side on hour two, you're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Welcome back to the Voice of the Nation. It is yours truly, Malcolm Out here, and uh, uh, we're talking all things, talking heroes today, really, if you want to know the truth. But we're talking about representative we, the people, who have stood up in the face of all this oppression and tyranny, these really uh, stories that I think are outstanding. You heard uh, from Ian Smith, the Attila's Gym, up front in the program here. What a great voice for Liberty he is, I have to tell you. Uh, I really, really like him a lot. I'm anxious to meet Frank Trombetti as well, his partner, and we'll absolutely have them back on at a future date. Uh, These guys are doing remarkable things out there, and, and they just, it's the kind of thing we need. Uh, The big thing I want you to think about here, and let me just remind you right up front here again now. Here's the big thing. Yeah, we are talking some interesting stories. We do have some heroes and and people who have stood up in the face of all this. uh, But I think what really worries me and should worry you out there is why did so many people, I mean, and and still many people, we're talking in the multi-millions, go along with this, uh, what really has become a charade. It really is a bit of a charade. All the evidence points there. I mean, listen, you can try to convince yourself differently and pretend and then you'd be part of the brainwashed crowd, but it really has become a charade. And then you have to look at what's the motive? What are they really up to? And Ian started to hint and talk about some of that more toward the latter part of our conversation there, uh, what they're really up to and why this is so important that we push back. One of the big uh, overriding messages here, my friends, is fear. And I think, sad to say, they have made fear the name of the game. And they've and they've instilled this fear into so many people who might not have been fearful otherwise. And it was all done under the guise of the virus. The, the coronavirus, the China virus, the uh, COVID-2, there are so many names for that handy dandy virus from China, right, that we talk about often. But you know, truth be told, any flu, any virus, cold things, I mean, these things, they can do harm and kill people all the time. That's not to say they don't But again, at what cost do we lock down our lives? And at what cost do we force people to get vaccines? And at what cost do we force people to wear masks that clearly don't work, but they make people, what, feel better somehow? And then if you want to wear that because you want to wear that, okay, great. Well, do whatever. If you want to look like a fool, terrific. But don't force your stuff on me. I'm not wearing it. Now, I've told you those stories for me and my family. I've walked into plenty of places and walked out. And that was at the heat of the pandemic. I I will not play that game. I will not wear that mask, said Sam I am. I will not do it, right? Not going to do it. And again, I have plenty of MDs on here and people who know what they're talking about. These things simply are not working. What are they accomplishing? Well, uh, what do they do to make us more fearful, to lock us down, to pretend we're what? You know, that, that, those are the kinds of questions you have to begin to ask yourself. So let me move it along and introduce you. I want to introduce you to the Mama Beers. I, I told you about them a little earlier in the broadcast. And uh, Emily Peterson and Kimberly Reichs are here. The Mama Beers, they're from Iowa. Great, beautiful Iowa. Welcome to the program, Kimberly and Emily. Pleasure to have you both here.
3: Thank
5: Thank you.
1: you. Awesome to have you. Great to be with you. Yeah. So the the Mama Beers, where did that name come from? I have to ask you first of all.
5: Sure. It it came from Tulsa when we uh, had the blessing and privilege to speak before 4,500 people at the Health and Freedom Conference when Dr. Jim Meehan graciously um, invited us up on the stage after hearing our daughter's stories and when he heard our stories and our fighting spirit. Then he named us the Mama Bears, and it's stuck ever since. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I
1: love it. I love it. It's great when you get that kind of a name through that, with the means of how you say it right there. Uh, that's awesome. Um, all right, let's let's get to the core now. I want to start with this story because this, you know, you like so many others were seeing this crazy business go on of the mass thing. Now, I never, I never did, I never fell for the mask thing. I I walked out of a lot of places, truth be told, Emily and Kimberly, with masks. I walked out in the height of the pandemic. I went in, I had a a dentist appointment. I went in and nobody was in the waiting room and they wanted us to wear a mask with nobody in the room at all. And I said, no, I said, I I don't wear the mask. I said, I I have no purpose for it. Thank you. Well, no, well, you have to do that. For, For what reason? Well, because it's our policy. Well, it's my policy as a paying customer that I'm not going to wear your damn mask. Now I'm yep. here to see the doctor bring him on. Let's do it. Well, no, you can't stay in the way. For what reason? Well, because it's a, well, it's my policy not to wear it. And, you know, that we're hearing that all over the place. I mean, and that argument is something I stayed true. You know, you both will laugh. One one time I was out. Uh, we had a reservation at a restaurant. I've told listeners this on a, on a Friday night. We're going out for dinner. You know, M- myself, my wife, my two children. And uh, that are I mean, these are uh, they're not young kids They're 17 and 18. Keep in mind. So my, my kids, you know, really shouldn't call them children, two young adults. Right. And uh, so uh, and we're out and we had a reservation and they demanded the mask at the door when you walk in. And I said and the, the people are waiting. And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm not. We're in to get to the table. I it. that's insanity. Well, that's our policy. It went through the same ritual again, you know. Do you know we went to four restaurants that night before we found a place that would accept us without the mask? That's how determined I was, ladies. What do you think about that? <laughs>
5: well, <laughs> that's
6: you good. Got, you got to stand. Yep. You got to stand. Yeah, and I, I haven't worn a mask through this whole thing either, and I refuse to. My yep. daughter had to get her tonsils taken out in the hospital demanding me to wear a mask there. And I'm like, I'm not wearing one. And they're like, it's our policy, just like you. And I said, no. Well, they took my daughter back to get her tonsils taken out. And I was out in the waiting room and the lady brought me the mask and I just tossed it aside. I'm like, I'm not going to wear it. She's like, well, you need to wear it or you have to be or you have to leave. I'm like, well, doesn't somebody have to be here for my daughter when she wakes up? She's like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, because I'm either gonna sit here and wait for, her, I'm gonna sit outside and wait for. her. So basically, I won, and I gotta sit in the in the office without a mask on, waiting for my daughter to get out of surgery.
1: You push back against the system. More people name? need to do that. Now, let's let's get to the kids because now one of the things that's crazy here. Well, all right, just like now the schools with the vaccine, many of their demanding if you don't have a vaccine which by the way are killing people uh but that's a minor thing ladies you know what i mean i mean what the hell right i mean you know but you know if you don't get the vaccine you're you can't come to school and they're threatening people to get into the universities and the colleges and not just that but the elementary school and the high school and but, but it started with the mask thing. They were forcing the kids not only to the social distance thing. Really, they scared the hell out of the kids is what they did. And then walk around with all the mask on. What Bring us back to the point of what has happened, your story. Um, what was going on in the school with your kids? How old are your kids are and what took place?
6: So it kind of started with my little girl. And um, she's six years old and in kindergarten. Um, so Olivia started the Ankeny school districts made everybody K through 12 wear a mask all the time. Um, They said that no matter what, you have to have it on. I said, okay. I asked my kids because it tore at my heartstrings because I was like, I don't want to send my kids to school wearing masks. So I gave all my kids the option. Do you want to wear a mask and go to school? Do you want to do the online Thing. And every single one of them wanted to go to school there. Olivia especially was excited. It was her first year in big school, as she calls it. Um, she was so excited. I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so they went to school. And within a few weeks of being in school, Olivia started getting a rash on her face. Um, the rash then turned into impetigo and staph infection four different times. Uh, we went and seen two different doctors um, numerous times throughout a four month period. um, Finally, the doctor just said, Kim, we have to take this mask off your daughter because if we don't, the staph infection could get into her lungs and cause her more health issues than staff or than COVID ever has or ever will. So they wrote me a medical exemption I took the medical exemption to the school. The school said, okay, this is what we're going to do. They segregated my child. They literally put her on one side of the room and kept the class on the other side. She was not allowed to interact with anybody. She Nobody could go near her. At recess, she had her own little square that nobody can come in and she couldn't go out. She was forced to eat by herself at lunch. She was forced to stand at the end of the line each and every day. And because they said that she couldn't wear the same type of mask as everybody else. So she couldn't put everybody else at risk. But the very thing that they were saying that's going to help everybody was harming my child. And I said, you know, what? it woke the mama bear in me and it ticks me off to put it nicely um, to the point where Emily and I started standing up and going against the school board. And so we started fighting back and I worked with the school as much as I could trying to find different accommodations that maybe could help Olivia to interact in her class. Right. And nothing that I did was successful. They kind of just brushed me off. They kept telling me, oh, maybe you should do homeschool. But I'm a mom of seven kids. I mean, it's hard to do wow. homeschool with kids and especially little ones running around. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we were online and my kids were forced to do online for a couple of weeks, it was to be nice. It was a shit show. Sorry if I can't swear. My bad. Um, but like I would go upstairs where my kids were because they said you all have to have your, your own personal quiet room. I'd go upstairs and Olivia is sitting on her bed, jumping up and down, not paying attention to what they're doing on Zoom. So I knew that wasn't a good option for me. And so that's why I pushed for her to stay in school. But at the same time, it was tearing at me because I knew the retaliation she was getting because she couldn't wear a mask. And that's why I said, Emily, we got to do something. And hmm. we started protesting. We went and protested in front of public Iowa public house. We protested at the state capitol. We protested at the school boards. We did everything we possibly could.
1: And what was and the so- protest? What was the message with the protest?
6: Uh, to unmask our children and to give us a choice. Right. And it wasn't to just. It was just to basically lift the mandate. make it a choice like if people wanted to wear a mask that was fine but i we wanted the mandate gone we did not want to be forced to wear that right right we wanted everybody to have a an option and they would not they wouldn't give Mm -hmm. and so emily had the same kind of similarities with her little girl hers a special ed versus yeah. rather having yeah. a medical. Now, K- Kimberly,
1: let me stay with you a moment here. Um, you know the the so you had the staff infection for Olivia, right? Was getting a staff yes. infection, okay? Yep. And and then the school board sort of thing, um, and then the public protest. So. When And I visualize you as a mom trying to work with the school. Like you said, you weren't trying to just be a rebel to be a rebel. You yeah. were looking to really fix the problem and trying to work. Yeah. So talk to, I want to know about those school board meetings. How did they go? How many people were there? How often were they? How productive were they? What did you accomplish with those?
6: Um, And overall, we accomplished like, I guess, nothing with the school board, to put it bluntly, because... Um, there's Their meetings were every first and third Monday of the month. Right. And so Emily and I went to those for two and a half, three months mm-hmm. since March until school let out um, because by that time, Olivia had her medical exemption turned in, in December. And by March, after those few months that I was working with the school, trying to find anything and everything to resolve um, what we can do to help Olivia interact with, students and be more involved and it not going anywhere. That's when we said, okay, well, if you guys are going to do it at the school level, we're going to go to the school board level. Well, we didn't really get anywhere with that either. Um, We went in front of the school board a few times. Um, The first time that we went in front of the school board, I did not, I was not able to speak in person because I wasn't um, registered on the agenda soon enough. Um, so I s- just spoke my piece online um, the very next day after I spoke the very first time they retaliated against my little girl and I, How? And they, they took Olivia into the principal's office, they made her sit there. All morning, made her eat lunch in there. She had her face shield because she was able to wear a face shield. We figured out she could wear a face shield, but it still wouldn't get her anywhere. Um, but at least then a teacher can get a little closer to her. So Olivia didn't want to wear her mask or her face shield that day, and I said, "Okay, well I'm putting it in your bag." And I've never made my kids do anything they didn't want to with it when it comes to masks. So I put it in her bag. I'm like, "Okay, if you want it for later." Here it is. Put it in her bag. So she got to school and she told her teacher, I don't want to wear my face shield. I'm just going to sit in my desk by myself. And she's six feet apart from everybody. And any other day it was fine. But because I went against the school board the day before and addressed that this, what they were doing to children was wrong and that they had literally the Friday before kicked my oldest daughter out of her class because she wore her mask below her nose. Wow. So they took Olivia. Olivia into the principal's office made her sit there all morning made her eat lunch there the principal took the her mask her face shield out of her backpack and put it up on a shelf and told olivia that she cannot have it then they took her back to the classroom and put her behind a plexiglass desk in her class and olivia came home that day crying and upset saying mom they put me in this thing and it was this big and it's clear she's like i don't know what it is but they said i couldn't come in or nobody can come in and I can't come out. And I knew immediately what they had done because I have said from the beginning that they were never to put my child behind a plexiglass desk because she's so little that it would traumatize her. I didn't want to have to go through that. Right. So we've always agreed to not do it. And up until that point, they had never done it. Hmm. But that particular day they did. And so I called the school immediately, demanded that they show me what they were doing, why they did it. She said, well, we did it because she didn't have her shield. She didn't want to wear it. We didn't know what else to do. We thought that's what she was gonna. We thought she was protesting because that's what she did the day before. I'm like, mm-hmm. she's six years old. She doesn't know how to protest like that. And I'm like, wow. Her And I said to him, I'm like, her shield's in her bag. So why couldn't she just get it out? She's like, well, we couldn't find the shield. And my daughter was on the phone with me. And she's like, you took my shield and you put it up high on a shelf. And she's like, no, Olivia, you must've misplaced it. And Olivia's like, no, you took it. And so Olivia's calling her out, which was great. So I once again, demanded for them to let me in to see what, where the setup was. Mm -hmm. And the principal's like, Ms. Ryan said, no, we can't let you in because of COVID and we can't have parents just walking all over. I'm like, I'll wear a hazmat suit if I have to. Just let me see where you're putting my kid. And she's like, well, we can't really do that. I said, fine, then send me a picture of it. And she's like, well, we can't really send you a picture either because the last one we sent you got put on social media and we don't want that to happen again.
1: Unbelievable. There it is right there there it is. I mean, they, yeah. right. They, they didn't, they, they knew you were exposing them yeah. and they knew you were being loud out loud style. We call that here in out loud world. Right. Yeah. And uh, they didn't like it. Now seven children is Olivia, the youngest.
6: No, she's not. She, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old under her.
1: Okay. Bless you. I'm one of seven myself. That is oh, you, don't,
6: awesome. you lucky seven. <laughs> you don't hear
1: those families too much anymore. The big no, families. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're unusual. Emily, how many you have? I have four. Four children, okay, great. A you both, have, both yeah. have pretty good <laughs> sized families. Okay, all right. And um, Emily, what, tell us about your uh, experience in all this, please.
5: Sure, Kimberly and I have been friends for about a year. And so when we noticed both of our daughters having trouble with the masks, that's when we decided to do something about it. So my daughter, Evie, is the youngest. She's nine. She's the only one public schooled. She's a special ed student. She has deficits in several areas of learning, including speech. She has sensory issues as well. So from the beginning, When Evie was going to public school, she had problems with the masks. She said, I can't breathe. I don't feel good. I feel like it's suffocating me. Don't make me go to school anymore. This hurts me. She just really had a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And as a mom that knows how much suffering your child's going through, you can't keep putting them through that day after day after day in good conscience any longer. So when Kimberly was having difficulty with Olivia and she got a medical exemption, I thought, you know what, I can go that route too, because in their addendum B in the Ankeny public school system, it states children with sensory issues should not be forced to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. So I thought, great, this is my in. I can go to the superintendent and I can make my case. So I went to the superintendent and I claimed the American with Disabilities Act and I stated the addendum B that children with sensory issues should not be forced to wear a mask his statement to me back was, you need to be able to prove that the mask is what is directly um, hurting her learning. And I thought, you're not understanding the point. It's right there in your own policy, sir. Um, So I thought, you know what, this guy's not going to work with me. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I can go the religious exemption route because one, it's a medical procedure and it's being put on children just like the vaccine issue. is. so I went and got a religious exemption. I turned that in one week after we first started protesting. When I turned that in, they immediately said, she is required to wear a shield. She is going to be put behind a plexiglass desk immediately. She will always be with um away from children, six feet apart or more. She's not allowed within six feet of any student, any teacher, not even her associate. So on her desk sat this big glass plexi wall. Like imagine a prison where you go visit your prisoner and you put your hand up to the glass. That was my daughter every single day after March 23rd. And she would come home and she would cry and tell me that, you know, she feels lonely. She feels sad. Even her associate couldn't really interact with her. Her learning absolutely plummeted. She has always made her IEP goals every single year, every single semester. This year, she has regressed. It's been absolutely awful. And so that is my daughter's story. And when we were able to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, by the grace of God, we didn't even plan on being there. But two people happened to cancel tickets who we need to still get a hold of because we found out who they are. And um, they canceled, and so Thrive Time Show called us and said, "We happen to have two extra tickets. Would you like to go?" And I said, "But you—you you sold out two weeks ago. That's not possible." They're like, well, "We just had to cancel," and I'm like, "Okay, okay, God, maybe we're supposed to be there." So we took the trip down there, and the first person I ran into in a booth was Dr. Kathy Meehan or, or um, Kathy Meehan, uh, Dr. Jim Meehan's wife, and I told her our stories. And she was moved with compassion, and she talked to her husband and said, I want you to meet my husband. Please stand down here while he's speaking. He's going to be coming up on the stage here in a little bit. So we thought, wonderful, maybe we'll get to meet Dr. Meehan, and he can you know, help us and let us know where to go from here. Because everywhere we'd gone, it was just a brick wall of just unreasonableness and absolute hypocrisy, really. So we talked to Dr. Meehan and um, actually, while he was speaking, he said, well, there's two mamas from Iowa and they have a story to tell. And we thought, oh, my goodness, I guess <laughs> we're speaking before forty five hundred people. <laughs>
1: so that happens spontaneously then.
5: Yeah, absolutely. It
1: oh, did. that's wild. That is absolutely wild. So it happened. So, it, And then you got up and you just shared your story and your heart we poured with, out our hearts it is it. about what
5: was going on with our girls. Yep. We mm-hmm. sure did. And that's when he called us the mama bears. Yeah. And he told us, he said, I think you two are going to start a national yep, movement. He sure did. <laughs> he told us that up on stage in front of everyone. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, Lord, what, what do you want next? You know, we're going to put one foot in front of the other. Right. We know we have an uphill battle, but we're going to go back and we're not going to give up and we're not going to back down. We're going to ramp it up because we need to do something before summer. Cause summer, these kids are playing sports and 90 degree plus heat. They're going to summer camps. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting bacterial infections that are not going That's away, nice. horrible face rashes we needed to do something we needed to do something right. fast.
1: Has, has this all changed as you say over the summer now and, and before the next uh before you get into the next grade here uh in the fall some go back to school what in august some in september right yes uh, that's right has this uh, has this all changed now is it back to any sort of normalcy to to that you know
5: it is normal. normal. It is beautiful in Iowa. You should come visit.
6: I don't oh. even have to wear a mask. So what happened? Dentist.
1: What? Why? How did it get back to normal? How?
6: All right, so when we got back from Tulsa, we went straight back into going to the school board meetings. Um, on April 5th, I got to speak for the first time to the school board, didn't wear a mask, nothing. We went to Tulsa. They heard that I was gonna sue them. They heard that we were up on this national platform. I'm pretty sure they got scared. Um, Because I walked in there, because I got on the agenda on the 19th, I walked in there, stood behind the podium where I did the week, two weeks before that. And I was six feet away from everybody. I took my mask off to speak to them. They stopped the whole entire meeting and walked out on me because I took my mask off. And they said to me, if you do not put your mask on, we will have you escorted out and we will stop the meeting. I'm like, that's okay. I'm, I have nothing to do. So, you know, go ahead, do what you need to. And they did. They stopped the meeting. And they every single one of them walked out. I have it recorded, but I didn't pick up my phone and actually like watch them walk out because Olivia was standing next to me. So I was sitting there consoling her saying it's OK because she's upset. She's like, Mommy, what's going on? And I said, they're just upset because mom won't wear a mask once they all left, except for the president of the board and Dr. And Mr. Hawk, mm-hmm. um, he said those two men stayed in there, um, arms crossed, very intimidating manner just basically sitting there telling me repeatedly to put on my mask and I said well I get three minutes to speak and if you two are standing in here I'm going to speak my three minutes and then I will go so I did I spoke my three minutes and I walked out and so then two weeks later we went against the board again and I told Emily I'm like take your mask off when you go in because at this point they wouldn't even let me back on the agenda because they said you didn't you disrupted everything we're not letting you back on the agenda so I said to Emily I'm like Emily I want you to go in there when you get behind that podium, take off your mask, but record because I know they're going to walk out on you just like they did me. And sure enough, they did. And Emily got the recording. Bless her. I was so proud of her for sticking mm. out. Cause that's not Emily. Emily is not that kind, but she was strong and bold that day. And she did. She caught them walking out. And as they walked out the door, they took off their mask. Bunch of hypocrites. Oh, really? We've...
1: As they walked out the door, no, we they...
6: recorded them. Yep. We can, you can see it on the video. So that what I is recorded. the
1: point? Of, what, what is their point? What's their lesson that they're trying to so tell w- people? We
5: have power and you do not. Mm-hmm. We control and you do not. Yeah. That's their message. I to mean, us. that tells
1: you right there with that. That was the proof of the put on that. That was priceless. What you have there. What, yeah. what took place with them taking the mask out as they walk yeah. out. Yes. It, it's, it's like they're demanding. Like we're all kids in school somehow. Yes. And you're going to listen. And as uh, it's remarkable now, with, with all this happening now, um and this friendship that has been created between the two of you, and as you say, Emily, you were more just really looking for justice for your for your child, Evie, right? Well, uh, how, actu- how old-
5: actually, as we progressed through this, right. we saw more and more children were being harmed. And so- Absolutely. We were not going to stop there. I mean, in the beginning it was Evie. Okay. But since, and Olivia, but since Tulsa actually, which was April 17th through the 19th, that's when hundreds of parents started reaching out to us and saying, help me, please help me. What do I do? My child's hurt. My child's getting a rash. My child's getting a bacterial infection. Help us. So no, it, it turned in very How how old is Evie,
1: by the way? How old?
5: Evie's nine.
1: Nine. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, all right. So now what I'm wondering now is, uh, you know, you're saying back to normal. Let's talk about that a moment here. Yeah. And you're speaking about Iowa. We're talking about the mass thing. Talk to me a moment here as far as what the latest is there regarding vaccines. Now, there are a Mm -hmm. lot of schools demanding, demanding. Uh, you have a vaccine that you don't show, has that permeated into Iowa society yet? You
5: know, in a way it has. So when the governor signed the bill into law, uh, lifting the mask mandates in all public schools and public businesses on consumers, what has happened in Iowa is they no longer have the leverage that they used to have. So in all of the Midwest states surrounding us that I know of, they're trying to mandate the vaccine. But in Iowa, at our college and universities, that's not possible. They don't have the leverage they used to have. So it's only optional. So University of Iowa, optional. UNI, optional. Iowa State. The only way that they're trying to get their hooks in is through the NCAA, through the scholarship program. Meaning if you don't have the vaccine, then you have to wear a mask. Right. Um, that's how they're getting their hooks in. However, they don't have the leverage that they used to have and it's making them look like fools. I mean, everywhere you go, people are not wearing masks, like grocery store, maybe one, honestly, businesses, restaurants, you name it. We're, we're back to normal. It's beautiful. All you see is faces. And, and really it's a, it's a kick in in their gut these evil people that are trying to push this because it's showing them there's no pandemic there's no emergency what are you doing and it makes them look like idiots because they're pushing something for political reasons and they know it
1: Hmm. well and everybody's feeling that i mean there are uh, some states feel it more than other states uh certainly you, you know you're you have to. That's why there's an exodus of people leaving states like um, California and yes. New York for sure. But also, you know, Washington and Oregon and all of these states and uh, people are leaving. Illinois, uh, they're leaving a lot and they're moving into the red states. of so states in the uh, southeast and southwest uh, states like Georgia and Florida and Texas and Arizona and places like that, you see, Uh, there's a mass exodus happening in our country where people are on the move to get out of these uh, Marxist states. Uh, Now, a lot of them are pushing the vaccine. So, so far, you're not seeing, you think they've lost their power in Iowa to really mandate the vaccine. So you don't see that as becoming a problem.
5: That's, I mean, in Iowa. In Iowa specifically, that is is correct. And that's why we want this done in other states. So Mm -hmm. 10 states now plus um, have joined us and started their own freedom over fear in their states to get this done. So we have a blueprint to follow okay. and, and, you know, God directs your path. You know, every state is different, mm-hmm. but we have a simple blueprint to follow and that they can get this done in their state, especially in the Midwest and some of these red states. I know it can be done. And the, the more states we can have to follow us and, and follow this, the less they can push that vaccine. All right,
1: so let's talk about that. Now you've got my curiosity. I I very much want to talk to you about freedom over fear and dive into that more so. But let me ask you this first. You are saying, you believe that Iowa has been sort of dethroned with this aggressive behavior based on this program, Freedom Over Fear?
5: Um, I think it's based on the governor signing it into law. Yeah. So these five um, legislators that are heroes of the heartland, we call them. Yes. They're wonderful men. They're patriots. They are strong. They're full of integrity. They joined us. And they said, we're going to draft up legislation for you and, um, and for all Iowa school children and all, you know, Iowans everywhere for businesses that no more mandates for masks. So they did that the day we did a sit in at the Capitol which was that Monday, correct? No, Tuesday, Tuesday. that Tuesday before um, she signed it on Thursday. So what happened was that Tuesday, they drafted the legislation after we had a sit-in at the Capitol and we got their ear and we spoke to these legislators and then they passed it in the House, 52 to 34. That's huge, that's a huge margin. And then the governor said, not only am I ready to sign it, but it goes into effect immediately. Like, we're not gonna wait till July. We're not going to wait at all. It's going to go into effect immediately. So at 1230 AM for the first time ever, she signed the bill into law and we were there with her in her office. (laughs) getting a huge high five from our amazing freedom-loving governor. She said, you did this. Your efforts did this.
1: Wow. I mean, I mean, this is really, uh, this is awesome. I mean, this is freedom over fear. Uh, this is the power of the people right here that we're talking about here. Uh, we're, um, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, we're, we're speaking with Emily Peterson, Kimberly Reichs, uh, both moms. Emily has four children. Kimberly has seven. Uh, You know, it all started with the mass thing, and then we've been talking about this. And, you know, you know my feelings, people out there about the mass thing. And then, of course, the the vaccine, which is another thing they're pushing right now uh, with all of that. Now, this freedom over fear, I definitely want to talk to both Emily and Kimberly more about. This is really, really uh, very interesting. We're talking about this potentially being a blueprint. I want to dive more into that in just a moment here. As we transition and pause a moment, I want to remind you again: healthycell.com is the message I want to give to you all out there. Uh, We talk well. Talk about families, uh, as uh, Kimberly and Emily are talking about here. Uh, The products at Healthy Cell are incredible because they they nurture our cells, the health of our cells. Uh, One of the products, Immune Super Boost, has all the products you need in there to fight any flu, any virus. Has the elderberry. Uh, it has the echinacea. It, it has the uh, zinc, the A, the D, all the things you need to have a healthy white blood uh, uh, cell count, which is most important. But there are a whole host of amazing products at Healthy Cell. Okay, and you need to check it out. We have they have the AM, uh, PM product, focus and recall, REM sleep. Uh, check out their products. I'm, I've been on Healthy Cell for three and a half years. It's incredible. And you can just do that by going to HealthyCell.com forward slash out loud, or just click the banner ad back at America Out Loud. All of our listeners get 20% off the first order. So you're entitled to that. Take the 20%, use the code out loud, and that is yours. Uh, And we thank you again for... um, uh, for a uh, uh, trying healthy cell and, and improving your life more so. I mean, I, I think it's so important. That's why I've been taking it myself for so long and I, I swear by it. So uh, again, uh, what a great program here today, really talking about extraordinary acts by we the people, uh, pushing back in the face of oppression and tyranny here. Uh, we're going to continue on here with Emily Peterson and Kimberly Reichs um, just after the pause. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation.
0: Listen to Malcolm, the Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple,
3: Android, or Alexa. Now, Never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up? for what is right and to show our support. That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran owned businesses, as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together. And we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans.
4: Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
1: AmericaOutloud.com Simply put, we're patriots who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio. Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and
0: justice for all. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com We are joining
1: you back here on The Voice of the Nation. It's yours truly, Malcolm Outloud, and uh, thank you for joining us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I love these kinds of programs because we're talking about people standing up and pushing back, and it hardly gets any more exciting than this for me uh for me anyways that I I just love these kinds of stories where this is where it's at this is what it's all about right here again remember something please as I said to you up front of the program here the power is with we the people we are the ones who we we elect these other citizens to represent us see this is what you call a representative government and a representative Republic they represent us they're they're not I mean they may think their head swells their egos and power brokers or whatever but you know what they're not. They, they don't have any special powers unless you give it to them. When you give them the special powers, well, then you become their bitch, basically. Uh, that's really what happens in life. I mean, so stand up and take count yourself and push back at the power brokers and seekers and these people who are pushing their agenda on uh, uh, too many Americans. Uh, we got to wake America up. we got to get the rest of the country wide awake to what's going on. Time to wake people up. And uh, we got a couple of folks here doing that right now. Uh, love you to meet Emily Peterson. And Kimberly Reichs joins us here. The Mama Beers from Iowa. Uh, ladies, welcome back here. And um, so uh, listen, this freedom over fear, I love the sound of that. And I love what you talked <laughs> about with Governor Kim Reynolds in that moment there. Now, tell me about the blueprint. First of all, where does this idea, where did the whole idea come from, and what does the blueprint look like?
6: Well,
5: the idea of a blueprint comes from the fact that we really want to help other states, and so if you can have a simple plan that you can replicate and tweak a little bit and modify here and there, just depending on what your state is, then you've got a plan going forward, and I'm a planner. So, um, basically I just looked back with Kimberly and we thought about all of the steps that we took and we just streamlined it into five basic steps.
1: Can you give us the five steps?
5: Sure. Absolutely. Sure. (laughs) The first one is to find like-minded individuals. So you can go on any social media platform, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, Twitter wherever it may I'm be, <laughs> and you can type in Patriot groups like Patriots Iowa or Patriots Nebraska or wh- wherever you are, or okay. freedom lovers, you know, whatever it may be to find Like-minded people, I would just go out and and type in your search and you are going to
6: find some, trust me, they're everywhere, no matter the state you're in. Yeah, and that's how we started Freedom Over Fear is we went out and found like-minded people and then we gathered so many, but we didn't have a specific platform to go to. So we made a freedom, Emily and I made the Freedom Over Fear in our group, and it was actually called Freedom Over Fear Unmatched Children. Um, that was, that was our first Facebook group. That one grew to over eleven thousand people in a at, month. In one month wow. after we left Tulsa, wow. Wow. and then we were live streaming um, the, uh, school like, yeah. we school were the school board meeting. We were at the school board meeting. I was live streaming it, and they took it down. They terminated they our whole account, our whole entire account. So now who, we have who did who who, who
1: terminated Facebook. it?
6: Facebook. Facebook.
1: They are so evil at Facebook. They are fascist Facebook. That's the way it is here. You know, Facebook, just so you know, ladies, they threw me off their platform uh, about four and a half years ago. Back before it was cool Uh to cancel people, they threw me off. So I'm well aware of being, uh, you know, dealing with these Marxist uh, people. But anyways, yeah. So we started...
6: So then we just we're like you know what they could take that one down we'll just start another one so now we're on Facebook again over on Freedom Over Fear two two, the number two which we probably garnered about half of the followers that that we did previously but we are also
5: think we're being shadow banned of course so um, we have about five thousand probably now um, with that group. And so that's how, how we began. We find it, we found like-minded people. And then these different groups that we also found, we united with them. So uh, we have a Polk County Project 1791. We have an Iowans for Freedom, Iowans for Informed Consent. So these different patriot groups, we decided to meet together so that we can be more powerful and more unified. And so that's when the capital happened. So our first step is find like-minded individuals freedom lovers who will join with you and meet together and either we think in person would be best if possible or online in some capacity well again
1: the power is with we the people right ladies it
6: absolutely is is. we've got to gather our numbers they want us to social distance but you know what that just doesn't work in this kind of no thing we're not going to do that no, because that's what they want us to do. They want us to be socially distanced yeah. so we don't they're gather, so we don't overcome what they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what Emily and I did. We totally disregarded whatever they told us to do. And we said, we're starting our own group and we're gathering. And so that's, that's the second step is gather. Go to your school boards. Go to your school boards. Start locally. Go, Go to, to your, your city boards. councils. That's the
5: second step. Yeah, school boards, city councils, events. You can also hold events together. And bring in other people to those events to bring more awareness to these medical tyrannies that are taking place. So that's step two. Step three. At the same time, please contact any patriotic leader in your state, whether it be a representative, whether it be a senator, whether it be a leader of you know, the GOP, whatever it may be. You need to get out there and you need to start connecting with people. And then those people know people. And so what we did is we found out um, who our patriotic representatives and senators were. And we just bugged the crap out of them. I mean, (laughs) that's just putting it bluntly. That's what we did. We contacted them over and over and over. Emails, phone calls. We just wouldn't stop. And so it got to the point where we were um, bringing ourselves to these events and talking to them face to face. That's what you have to do. You have to get in front of them. Mm. You have to tell them your story and and, and why you need to um, why you're out there standing for freedom and how they have the backing of so many people. So these legislators and senators, they're just waiting to see who is going to back them? Because they can't have it come from themselves. They have to have it come from their constituents. And so once we showed that we have like a backing of 220, 250 people at the Capitol, it was like, oh, okay, we have to listen up here and we have to um, give in you know, to what the people want. We have to you know, answer to them and be accountable to them as every state's legislators and senators should be, every one of them. And so that was the third step and the fourth one is to you know get in get into the capital. That's huge because that's going to create media. I don't but care. Wait if it's a minute. When you say in get media. into
1: the capital, are you talking mm-hmm. like we did on January sixth?
5: No, <laughs> sir.
3: No.
1: Absolutely.
5: Well, I had to
1: ask you, ladies. I mean, come on, no. come on.
5: No,
6: okay. I was there, January sixth, mm-hmm. and no, it, it wasn't anything like the. Well,
1: who was there? Which one, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly. or Emily? Kimberly. Okay, Kimberly, you were there on the sixth, were you? All I right. sure
6: was. Yes, right. I was. And-
1: that got that got unraveled pretty quick, didn't it?
6: Oh yeah, that and it was funny just watching the news media, and I'm like, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Here's a video of what I have that happened, and it doesn't match what they have said that happened. And it was it was oh, yeah. totally mind blowing yeah. because like it helped me turn a lot of people because a lot of people believe the mainstream media, and then I'm like, okay, I'm standing right where they say this this news type thing was showing, and I'm like, here's what was showing. There's nothing there, and my dad and everybody were like holy cow that didn't happen like no so like there's all kinds of like things that are just misconstrued in there and so yeah
1: we've covered that story so heavy the way they uh the the police the capitol police stood down and the way they waved everybody in and the way they created. oh yeah they let us in i mean this was really a setup if there ever was a setup that was it right i mean yes that, no, that that's a whole exactly.
6: nother story and a whole nother well, story. well, it is.
1: But I love the way we, but but I digress, right? But I digress. Uh, I love what you said when well, it came to my mind when you said the capital. Obviously, you're talking about the state capitals, right?
5: Yes, yes absolutely, yes. Ahead. And peacefully, just go there when they have a legislative session or an emergency legislative right. session right. and um, go in and sit on the capital floor. That's what, that's we, what did. we did. And when we got to talk to people and we wrote 140 handwritten letters to the governor, wow. including children as well. So that is huge. I mean, that's going to make an impression and that's going to get the media out there, whether it be positive or negative. People can make their own or their own decisions of how to spin this or how to view this, their own perception. But media needs to get attention.
1: Well, I have to tell you, you two have become a thorn or a tick in so many sides, haven't you?
6: <laughs> we don't mind. That's okay, badge of honor, really. Yes.
1: We don't mind, I love it,
6: I love it. Uh, honestly, I, I we look at it as a badge of, uh, of honor just yeah. because, you know, if we are that thorn, that means we're making a difference. And we're standing okay. for something that's true and we're, and, we're a, and we're a threat to them. And I don't yeah. mind being a threat when it comes to right. being something good. Right. Like if we're standing up for our rights, that is perfectly fine with me. I will be the biggest someone in the side yeah. Yeah. forever. <laughs> well, let me ask
1: you both this now. Now, now we've come through this pandemic extraordinary, this lockdown. Uh, some are still going through it, believe it or not. Uh, the the pushing of the mask, the pushing of the vaccine, the pushing of whatever it is they're pushing, uh, and now we find ourselves here like say so coming through the summer there i'm hearing stories already of certain stakes uh states getting ready to lock down again with fall or after summer that sort of thing right. and you wonder how many of these have really not learned the lesson and when they you know want to go back and try to i guess i don't know, do a repeat an encore performance kind of thing What what do you think, what what lessons has the country learned at this point, ladies? Um, Emily, let's have you talk first about that. What lessons have we learned as a country and where do we go next?
5: Yeah, I think we've learned those who have ears to hear and eyes to see can see that this is a spiritual battle of good versus evil.
1: Oh, oh and, I, Emily! I can't I can't parents. hold on. I can't believe you said that. Now, Emily, listen, that is the core message of this program you're on right now. The voice of a nation. It's the battle of good and evil. That is the mission of this show. And you just hit hit it right there. Wow.
5: Well, <laughs> awesome. I think God placed us here for a reason, Absolutely. I guess, because I can see it. I can see the brainwashing. I can see the isolation and just the propaganda pouring into the minds and hearts of people. And those who don't have the spirit of the Lord and those who don't follow God and welcome the light of truth, they are brainwashed. And those who do, it's time to rise up. I really believe that we were born for such a time as this. That's what I've learned. I've learned that Esther was called to save her people, God's people, the Jewish people. And the hour she was called. And we are here for such a time as this to save our children, because that is who is being targeted, is the children. They're going after their hearts, their souls, their minds. Now, I'm not gonna sit back and let it happen. Right.
1: Well, you know, I was gonna even mention to you earlier about that. And and before I get go to you, Kimberly, here about the, the, the damage, the fear, but the damage of the children. I was thinking, Kimberly, actually of your daughter Olivia, right? Yes. And some of the fear that was going through their minds, and then Emily with yours with all of the barricading the kid in the, the acrylic everywhere and uh, I mean, the lessons, these kids and then, like you said, the school board exercise when that all happened and the kid with kid was nervous. None of this yeah. is good for the kids, is it?
6: No, no, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's yeah. Damaging beyond. I well, don't that's think what I mean. It's damaging
1: their psyche. It's damaging their yeah. attitude, their persona as their growth. Uh, and as you, one of you said earlier, uh, they've lost so much uh, progress in the school year because of all this yeah. nonsense that's gone on. Uh, So Kimberly, let me throw it at you. Talk to me about uh, uh, the lessons we've learned as a nation. And where do we go next?
6: Well, I think the lessons we learned is that we can't be silent anymore. We have been pushed to a corner. And the only way we're going to get out is to fight. And we need to start standing up and stop hiding behind our computers and behind social media and get out there. Because if we don't they're going to take over and they're going to take our children because that's who they are really after. They're really after our kids and they want to indoctrinate our kids with anything negative. They even want to push them against their own parents mm-hmm. because if they can control our kids, they can control our future. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I'm not going to stand for. And I know Emily's not either. Mm-hmm. And it's wakening mama and Papa bears all over this nation. And eventually we're going to have the majority. And then they're going to be the ones cowardly in the corner because they have just awoken a lot of people. And that's where I think we're, where our next step is, is we we all are going to step up and get out there. And we are hoping to inspire more moms and dads, more two stay-at-home moms that got a law passed because we were not quiet. And that's what you got to do. You can't be quiet. You just got to get out there and speak your truth, no matter what the repu- replications, sorry, replications are, because there will be some, there'll be a mm-hmm. lot of negativity, I mean, we're, I think me and Emily are probably the most hated here in Ankeny. But. Yeah, we're not like too much <laughs> where we come from.
1: I was, I was going to ask you that question, actually. I'm glad you brought it up there. How, has all that settled down, I was going to ask you? And are you being accepted into the community or are you being uh, stared at and hated down?
6: We're stared at and hated down. And I'm especially because I'm now suing the school district on top of everything else that just happened.
1: So what do you do about that? I mean, do you, do you see yourself let, at some point moving out or will you stay there no. and live under those? Okay.
6: Um, I will stay here because I'm not going to let them run me off Mm-mm. and I'm going to stay on my grounds and I'm just going to let haters hate. And what are love people, me, do you
1: think, doing that, Kimberly, to you? Why are they doing that? Uh,
6: because they don't have the backbone and they see me as a threat. Yeah. And I'm I'm not the, the Ankeny, I feel. Um, I have only lived here since 2012 and we got moved here um, with my husband's job and I never really liked it that much just because I just never fit in. Like, this is a very clicky town. And if you're an outsider, you're always going to be an outsider. And with my, I was a military brat when I was younger, we moved around a lot. So I was always used to it. And so I guess I don't ever want to fit in because then that means I'm following the the hurt, and I don't want to be like that. Let me ask you wanna... about
1: your husbands. Did they at all get any pushback at their work environments, that sort of thing, or is that okay?
5: No, my husband does odd jobs. He, he works like three part-time jobs, and he's very focused on being a coach, um, a USTA coach to my older two kids. So he supports me, but he's pretty much in the background just trying to make a living
6: for our family. So no, he he has not. Yeah, okay. same with mine. Mine's been kind of on the DL too, so they try not to say so a So they, they've stayed out
1: of the weeds then with us here.
6: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: ha- haven't had pushback, but they've been supportive otherwise.
6: Yes. Right, absolutely, yep. yes. Definitely.
1: And we see what's happened with the kids, but both of you have become uh, Really, uh, out well, you've you're on the right program, you become out loud, right? <laughs> out loud, yeah, and uh, and you 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 are uh out there trying to right the wrongs and set the record straight. Uh, you've got to be pleased with your, I mean, you've got to be pleased. In fact, I read somewhere that you're going to be the is this correct that you're going to be the first to receive the General Michael Flynn Fearless Fighters for American Values Award.
6: Yes, yes we, we already received it. Yeah, we <laughs> received that in Tampa. It was amazing. It was amazing. What Shocking. an accomplishment. Humbling
5: beyond yes. words, really.
1: <laughs> and you received this. Uh, and who, who gave you the award?
5: General Flynn yes. and himself and his sister, Mary. And his brother, And his Joe. brother, Joseph. Right. And his son, Michael Jr. The, was there. The so the basically, Flynn the Flynn family.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a terrific family. They are they're an amazing. all-American family, aren't they?
5: Yes, yes. they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. And
1: what, what a proud accomplishment that was. So you both came out for that to the event? To the yes. We sure
5: did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. and we're going to be traveling actually to With every um, freedom event that uh, Clay Clark puts on, every health and freedom conference. So the next one we're going to is Anaheim, California in a couple of weeks, then on to Michigan, then on to Colorado, wow. and then possibly Texas. We're also doing a couple events on the side for some other Patriots in Missouri and Kentucky. Uh-huh. And what's amazing is General Flynn and Clay Clark have graciously agreed to help us fund our Travels and our lawsuit Kimberly's lawsuit as well. And so every time you use code mama bears, if you want to go to any health and freedom conference, then you get a 10% discount and uh, 20% of the proceeds go towards her lawsuit or our travels either either one into the nonprofit because the freedom over fear is a nonprofit
1: Okay, we will put that information on the post when this does go to podcast if you're listening to this right now on America Out Loud talk radio. Uh, But I want to thank you both, Emily Peterson, Kimberly Reichs for 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 being terrific representatives, first of all, uh, for we the people, right? number one and and pushing back where it needs to be and uh and we want to keep you close here stay right there a minute ladies here but I'll tell you what I am truly impressed uh with the story here of both I mean and I just feel the passion of people that I don't think we're looking for a spotlight or looking for any particular type of recognition but you know blessed that they now have received the just rewards of their actions with the faith, uh, freedom over fear, freedom over fear, uh, and the work that they've been able to accomplish here with Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa. Uh, I mean, remarkable what's taken place here. This is what it's about right here. I mean, I tell you all about this all the time, friends, and here we are right here. We're talking, and then again, up front of the program, uh, the, the, Amazing story of Ian Smith and uh, Attilus Jim in New Jersey. Absolutely incredible here. It This is what it takes for we the people to push back and to stand up for our liberty. This American experiment is about us. It's not about the power seekers. It's not about the rest that are in Washington or in state governments who think they're running every aspect of our lives. They're not. We need to tell them to shut up and sit down in the back of the class, please. It so will take control from here. Thank you very much. Uh, That is kind of where we're at, isn't it, uh, my friends? I I think it is. And uh, it it is uh, very much uh, uh, a moment of time for this country. This experiment is at a crossroads and we need to recognize exactly where we're at. Thank you for being on the mission with me here, my fellow Americans. It's time to get involved and get loud.